0: Hello, hello! I'm your host, and I'm Jordan, and today we are joined with a very, very special guest, Indy. Why don't you go ahead and introduce
1: yourself? Yeah, of course. Thanks so much for um, having me here. I'm really excited about this podcast. So, my name is Indy. My pronouns are they, them. Um, I identify as trans, non-binary, agender as well as queer slash pansexual. I currently occupy the unceded land of the Kumeyaay people also known as Chula Vista, California and I work at GLSEN as um, one of the youth program associates. So a little bit about my background. I've been doing youth organizing work um, for about 10 years. Um, A lot of my background has been in working with homeless youth. So like pretty much like 13 to 25.
0: Okay, <laughs> that was really good. That was, that was the most in-depth background that I've ever had, and it was amazing. So <laughs> awesome, awesome. So today we are going to be talking a little bit about the impact of LGBTQ discrimination in schools, and then we'll be transitioning to the Day of Silence. That is kind of the theme of this episode, so we're celebrating the Day of Silence, which is actually the end of April, which by the time it comes out, it'll be pre-Day of Silence, but you know, the gist of it all. <laughs> and then we're going to talk about how Glisten is involved in the Day of Silence. Glisten is a very big part of it. I'm actually a part of Glisten. if you guys didn't know, a part of their National Student Council, which is so happy. That's how I met Indy, and we've been Pretty good ever since then. And um, yeah, we'll be talking all about what Glisten does. So, as listeners know, we're going to start with our rose thorn bud. But if you don't know what a rose thorn bud is, it's basically a highlight, success, small win, or something positive that happened today or within the last week. That would be the rose. A thorn is a challenge you experience, or something you can use more support with. And lastly, a bud are some new ideas that have blossomed, or something that you're looking forward to. Looking forward to knowing more more about or experiencing. So Indy, if you want to go ahead and get started, that would be great.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So my uh, rose for this week is definitely being here with you. I'm super excited. Um, have been looking forward to this since we first talked about it, and then our meeting last week got me really, really excited. Um, and then my thorn is probably that Day of Silence is about eleven days away, which is really exciting. Um, but on my end, has a lot of organizing stuff that we have to finish. A lot of you know bows that we have to put on um, and get things out to folks. So. It's stressful, it's a little bit of a thorn, um, but the bud is definitely having Day of Silence. um, And I think it's going to be really amazing this year. I'm super excited to be working more with you. Um, And then also Pride is coming up. Um, Pride season is always really fun. I think it's um, probably one of the highlights working at Glisten because it's an opportunity that we really get to focus on joy. I feel like the work can be really heavy throughout the whole year, um, as we know, and Yeah, Pride I feel like is like a great time to be able to celebrate one another and just kind of have fun and be together and be in community.
0: For sure. I absolutely love Pride. I've unfortunately only been to one like Pride Festival and it's, it was like the most amazing experience of my life but unfortunately, you know, due to COVID and everything I haven't been able to go. Are you actually planning on going to one this year?
1: I'm not um I still think like you had said with COVID stuff being really careful with the like COVID precautions um I think the parts that I really love about pride are one like people speaking up and being so open about being a part of our wonderful beautiful diverse community um as well as like hearing a lot of the stories that people have to tell and like also supporting some of the more like grassroots like efforts that people are um like working towards and then I mean I feel like it's a little bit um like a complex relationship but I do appreciate a lot of the part like the pride corporate type of things that come out um I think like for me like going into Target and seeing you know like Glisten's logo on stuff and like knowing that like that that funding is coming directly to work with students like you um but then also like some of the other ones that may not be you know benefiting Glisten. It's amazing Mm -hmm. to know that folks in, like, a rural community far away that, like, may feel isolated see something as simple as, like, a rainbow button, and I'm like, oh, okay, like, I'm here, I'm valid, I'm not alone in this, Um, and I think, too, like, that's also what's important about a lot of, like, the advertisements, right? It's, like, that marker of not being alone and not being isolated. Um, Mm -hmm. I know for me, it was really important to find other people that were like me, even if I didn't have the language, Mm -hmm. and so that's, like, one of the beautiful things about Pride is that you have Mm -hmm. all these, like, wonderful like trans people being portrayed in media and like you know being out about their identities and um, even something as simple as like identifying um adults that use like they them pronouns for example like that could mean a lot to a young person who may only know other young people who use those type of pronouns and it's hard to imagine a future if you don't have anybody else who's living it you know what mm-hmm. i mean like as a trans person um right. But yeah, that was a whole lot to say about (laughs) Pride, but definitely a soft spot in my heart.
0: No worries, no worries. I think... um... I'm also going to go and indulge in the rant for a little bit. (laughs) I know that there was one teacher I had and I was telling them about my identity and they had like no clue about what non-binary even meant. I was like, alright, bet, I'm going to (laughs) educate you. And the, like, it was a very uh, open conversation, it was a very positive conversation, which I was not expecting at all. And then there was like some funny questions where they were like, why do you go by they he pronouns why don't you just like invent something new like zzim i was like hey there are other like neo pronouns and we had it's so cool yeah it did mean a lot to me for sure
1: that's an amazing teaching moment that you were able to to have for that person
0: yeah for sure and they their life was changed (laughs) just a tiny bit (laughs) so just to get back on track with the episode um I will go over my rose thorn bud um a rose for me is just like I got this internship that I was really, really, really excited to work on. Um, So yeah. (laughs) <laughs> it is a marketing internship and I was just super excited to just get that position and because I was super nervous about it like my armpits were sweating like during the interview oh, no. <laughs> but yeah I got it and so I'm really excited to start in August um uh thorn, though I recently well this is a Thorn and a Rose at the same time I recently got a uh, email that I had my roommate assignments for uh, my college which was great but then I learned that it really was they really weren't the roommates that I was looking for per se because I contacted housing and I was like can I get some LGBTQ accommodations and they were like yeah sure and then it turns out that nobody in the group chat was LGBTQ and I was like oh um, this is an issue cause <laughs> like it's not an issue per se but I really wanted, you know, like a small family, but um, I will reach out to them about that. And a bud would probably be just the internship and going to college as a whole. So yeah, that is my bud.
1: (laughs) I wanted to say congratulations on your internship. That is absolutely amazing. And then also wanted to validate that it is important. even just for safety and comfort to like be in living quarters with people that you feel comfortable and safe with. So Mm -hmm. just like putting that out there and validating that experience. Um, I hope that your college is accommodating and if there's anything I can do to support, just let me know.
0: Yeah, for sure. Oh, thank you. (laughs) I appreciate that. So we're just going to get right straight into the episode and we're going to talk about the impact of LGBTQ discrimination in schools. And I just want to hand the mic to Indy real quick to just talk a little bit about your experience and how that was like when you were in high school.
1: Yeah, thanks so much. Um, So like I had said a bit earlier, um, I was in high school from like about 2007. Um, I graduated in 2011, you know, 10 years. No, we're going on 11 years ago Um, on that note. (laughs) Anyway, so during that time there was Prop 8 Um, in California. That was like the Gay Marriage, Marriage Equality Act. Um, And for me, that was really hard because like there was, like, a lot of bullying in the hallways that was, like, oh, yeah, I see, like, we're voting on your rights, and, like, even having, like, teachers be, like, oh, let's debate this, and, like, for me, it was, like, these are, like, basic rights for me, and, like, mm-hmm. let's debate this in class it was really hard, um, but, again, this was, like, like i said 10 years ago when conversations around like trans identities and trans rights were not happening and so like fast forward to the bills that we're facing today like the don't stay gay bill in florida and the anti-trans bills going on in states like texas that actually criminalize gender-affirming care um, for youth and actually label it child abuse Um, i could only imagine that the experiences of students in classrooms today with similar like um, like debate topics and things like that would be incredibly harmful and challenging. Um, and I even think like young people are consistently hearing now, like adults invalidating um, their identities and like actively participating in hate, right? Like the don't say gables, it's like, oh, so my identity um, is so inappropriate for school. And it's like, no, I'm just, you know, I just happen to identify a different way or I just happen to like somebody of the same gender. Um, and it's like, we're taking these, I don't know, like really core parts of people's identities and making it a political debate. And I feel like a lot of politicians right now, I mean, historically have, but specifically right now are using LGBT youth and trans youth as like pawns. Um, to support whatever terrible things that they want to do, whether it's like, oh, we're doing all of these things so I can like support a reelection because I know this is a hot topic. Um yeah, it's it's terrible and I can only, like I said, empathize and imagine um the way that these translate to like direct bullying from peer to peer. Um and then yeah, it's really rough right now when we look at the like political um state of the country when it comes to LGBT support.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely remember, actually, that happened to me in class with the debating on, I remember when, uh, marriage equality, the law, like, you know, saying that, that, you know, it was such a good moment to have, like, same-sex marriage, like, be legalized, but I remember I was in Florida at the time, and everybody was, like, debating on it, and was asking if this was really what we need right now, and it was just such an unsafe environment and I felt like I couldn't be myself I remember I think I was in like middle school but um, yeah like I remember feeling like I was trapped like I was not normal and there's just so many feelings of just feeling unsafe in schools especially because of that and I can only imagine what the don't say bill um, actually is don't say gay bill um, actually is affecting people because I was in virtual school, but now, obviously I can't imagine what the environment is like in public, in-person school. And I just really wish the best for the people who are suffering right now because of that. Honestly, there was just such a trauma impact for sure.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, I also think too, like as a community organizer and an activist, um, I think especially in my younger like, I don't want to say career but like younger life I thought that things like marriage equality were um like the pretty things like people really wanted to support because like you know gay weddings it's so cute and cool but like we don't want to have conversations about lgbt's homeless homelessness we don't want to have conversations about the increased amount of um addiction that lgbt people, people experience right um but I think now as like an older adult like understanding like you had said like The impact that that could have, even though, like I'm gay married, right? Like I have a husband um, and we're gay married and we wouldn't be able to be married if it wasn't for, you know, the bills that have passed, but like, I think that the impact that it does have is that validation and the like, you are, you're seen and you're supported and this one part um, of what you could potentially experience, right, of getting married um, is now a possibility. And I think that that understanding kind of shifted things for me in my activism. Um, like every point, every part of what we do is important. Um, yeah. So like you were saying, some of like the trauma impact in schools. Um, so we actually have the National, Col- National School Climate Survey. Um, in 1999, GLSEN identified that there was no data around LGBT student experiences. So we started doing the National School Climate Survey and have been collecting data every two years since then. Um, definitely check out our website if you Um, are even slightly intrigued. We have an executive um, brief on it that can give you a brief highlights, um, or we have these like more specific ones um, that talk about like BIPOC experiences um, or experiences of black students or trans and non-binary students, I think are some of the breakdown briefs. Um, Mm -hmm. But for example, um, 78.1 students um, believed that bullying was a serious problem and was the second most serious uh, problem behind emotional and mental health problems, which was at 84.4%. Um, and so talking about like the things that these students in schools are facing and stressed about and having to navigate, um, bullying was like the second one and the first one was mental health and emotional health. And how do those things intersect? Um, when students don't feel safe accessing school, which is somewhere they're required to be, mm-hmm. um, it can cause like trauma responses and um, increased like, levels of stress and fear in their bodies, which can have long-lasting effects. Yeah,
0: I think I definitely have seen and I wouldn't say that I have experienced LGBTQ uh, bullying. Thank God. I know that there are so many peers of mine who have experienced it. Um, and seeing them face these inner terminals, especially when they're coming from a very homophobic household and then coming to school especially to deal with this bullying and deal with this harassment from other Students from varying levels to just a severe level to a mild level. Um, either way, it's equally as important. But not having a safe space in every single like place that they're supposed to go to, home and school, is definitely such a I can't imagine a trap feeling. I come. I've said on this podcast that I've come from an LGBTQ household, so I definitely have the privilege to say that I haven't been. Um, feeling trapped, but I can only imagine how that feels. Um, Do you have any input on that?
1: Yeah, um, so I think for me, like I did being, like I said, being out as a trans um, and queer student, there was a lot that had happened to me in school. And even things that now, I think I've said a few times, like 10 years later, I still carry, um, and kind of have like still come to terms with. Um, and still kind of working through, to be honest, some of the, like, the severity of the bullying that I had experienced. Um, I won't go into details, but like, I feel like as a younger person, a lot of I was like, oh, minimizing it. Um, and then now like kind of coming to terms with the ways that those things impacted me and the relationships that I have. Um, and so like also like, going back to a little bit of the data, like speaking about having students feel trapped at home and then unsafe at school, um, in 2019, the National School Climate Survey reported that 32.7% of students missed school at least once a month because they felt unsafe. Um, 77.6% avoided school functions and 71.8% missed extracurricular activities because they felt unsafe. And so thinking of like, okay, they're missing actual school. They're not going to anything that's outside of like, you know the classrooms and then extracurricular activities like sports students aren't accessing either and so those are major ways that people are building um, community and community is really what keeps people together and alive um, if you're feeling alone if you're feeling isolated um, and then now you have no way to build out of that it can be really really challenging um, i know for me when i was in high school i was also experiencing homelessness and was living in a group home that was actually ran by a catholic organization um and unfortunately they were very not great um to say it kindly um Mm -hmm. and so then like experiencing some of the really like messed up things at school and then the comments from teachers and peers and then also going to what was supposed to be a home right um and feeling unsafe there and feeling like my identity was invalid and oftentimes challenged um was very hard Um, and then like going a little bit back to the statistics like when we talk about what students are experiencing in schools only um, well 56.6 percent of students did not report that they were being harassed um, because they didn't think anybody would help and out of the folks that did report only um, actually 60.5 percent reported that the staff did nothing Um, or just told the students to ignore it and so thinking about adult allies and thinking about the folks that um, students are supposed to rely on if you don't have anybody showing up for you or you feel like nobody will um, that makes things so much worse and so like like I had said like my own experience as being in school like there was really uh, maybe one teacher that I felt safe going to and even then I remember when this like um, I got followed through school and somebody was like yelling, you know, slurs and stuff at me um, from one side of campus to the other. And so by the time I got to class, I was distraught and uh, I wasn't gonna say anything. Like, I just, I don't know, I just felt like I had to deal with it um, or like it wasn't worth it. And so one of my friends actually was like, hey, this is not okay, like I'm gonna say something. And luckily the teacher that we had spoke to ended up being a huge advocate of mine and actually is still a friend today, um, spoke up for me and like, unfortunately the only system that we have um, is like punishment, right? And so, like, it didn't necessarily feel great to know that the student got punished, um, but it also would have been, wouldn't been would have felt great knowing that nothing would have happened. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's where some of like the like, transformative justice values come into play for me um, now is, like, when we think about punishment, like, is that really what we want from these folks, or do we want to engage in conversations? Like, it would have been amazing to have an experience where that student would have been, like, sat down with me and I could have explained, like, hey, what you did was really hurtful and harmful. Um, but we also don't have systems in place to do those things. And like I had said before, like students aren't feeling safe to even report that. And so like, how do we reimagine this entire system? Um, sorry, going off on a little bit of like an abolitionist like tangent. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's hard. Um, we can't think about things as black and white, but like it's also, we need to think about things like safety and you know, safety can be very clear for a lot of folks and definitely need it.
0: For sure. I think going on, like, what you were talking about with the idea of punishment, I feel like I myself am a a little bit of an educational justice type of person, so, you know, uh, hearing that you were like, oh, yeah, it's kind of hard that they are punished, but really, what is that student going to do from now on? He's just going to not do it in schools, but outside of schools and still have that sort of mindset that being LGBTQ is harmful to society, which uh, I hated saying that but
1: <laughs> yeah. and I feel like too like things like that can further um further push people from building an understanding you know because like now the gay kid got, got this person suspended mm-hmm. and so like you know the gay kid got me suspended and so like now it just make furthers that like you know I don't want to say hate because I feel like that's so strong but like furthers that fear and like that stigma um or like even just like general negative feelings against like lgbt people because now this one person did something that directly harmed you and so you have almost like a justification or reasoning behind whatever negative feelings um that you had originally had Mm -hmm. so it's just like it's a really rough cycle um and i feel like you know moving forward in time and like within schools like having more conversations about what it actually means and i know that um we were going to talk about it a little bit, but I think I can already touch on the school-to-prison pipeline. And so, like for example, like getting that student suspended um, could lead to them getting involved with other systems of oppression. And we see that LGB youth, youth specifically girls, are three times more likely to experience harsh discrimination. Um, and so like that can also look in, in terms of like punishment. The school to prison pipeline is defined as a cycle of funneling students out of schools and into the criminal justice system. So we see that like students who are getting suspended, students who are getting, um, like, I don't know if they do it anymore, which I hope that they don't, but I believe that they do, is they would do like drug searches on my campus. So they would have dogs come in and smell backpacks and check blockers mm. And it was really invasive. Um, and so like things like that, that like directly pulled students out of classrooms and into the juvenile justice system, then furthers them um, into like the system of oppression and into the like specific like prison industrial complex. Um, Right, and so like we go from classrooms to juvenile hall and then now that they have this record it's hard to like do things like get a job um or you know like get into college because now you have a gap or your GPA dropped because you weren't in school and so like it just like um creates this really long lasting cycle of poverty for example and then also traumatization um and so we also see that the ways that like the juvenile justice system is not set up for support for anybody but like um trans students and LGBT students um, are like specifically experiencing negative things within these systems like for example how you had talked about like being non-binary and you need to find like rooming accommodations right like in the juvenile justice system like you are forced to go into these like binary systems which alone can be traumatizing and then on top of that now you have no rights right like your body is consistently being invaded um, and then I feel like you can't talk about the school to prison pipeline without addressing the high intersections of specifically black students, um, but other students of color and then also disabled students. Um, There's like so much more to it. I know that's not the topic for today, um, but I think it's really important to set up the framework on why things like Day of Silence is so important um, and why this like direct um, activist work is so important on creating systems of change for students. Um, Yeah, and like the ways that we actually show up for LGBT students, yeah. <laughs> it's a lot it's okay i love you you
0: absolutely described it perfectly i don't even have anything to to add it. honestly the best that we can do to avoid these issues is having those conversations um those meaningful conversations that you mentioned instead of going directly to punishment or just not having those conversations at all or even banning those conversations such as those the don't say gay bill um as well as you know GSA's and their impact as well um i know that my GSA was very internal because um you know the climate in the south is very uh not not okay <laughs> to say the least <laughs> but um yeah as far as GTA, GSA's go um 95 rated the space to discuss lgbtq topics to be important as well as 90 oh, 79 point six percent not 99 reported it as necessary so they could work with school staff to make a better school environment and i feel like if you lead your G- gsa and make sure that they are included in these conversations make sure they are actually um going outside of the space to create i, I wouldn't say uncomfortable conversations or conversations that nobody needs to hear but conversations that people need really need to hear (laughs) just in order to create a safe environment both in school and equip others with the tools outside of school Um, especially when it comes to college or even the workforce or just other places where um, I guess it's not really prioritized to make the space environment the space like more inclusive Um, less about college but more about the actual workspace in general Um, yeah that's all I had to say
1: yeah. Um, also, with GSA, is like some of the like amazing, impactful things that I'm seeing students do now are like they're even doing their own PD, so like their own professional workshops that they're doing for the staff on their campuses, and so doing workshops around pronouns and how to like respect some of the students that may be using neo pronouns, for example, like zir and zir, um, or using like they them pronouns. Um, like that is so incredible and amazing and you know baby high school indie could never imagine of doing something that incredibly impactful um and also like it's known now i don't have the exact statistic but if you check out our national school climate survey i can guarantee you um it's in there but there is data around supporting the idea that um if a school has a gsa on campus that the entire school reports feeling safer so even not like non-LGBTQ students and staff feel safer because they have an LGBT um, focused club like a GSA on campus. And so we're seeing how impactful these groups can be, even if it's just like a bunch of, you know, really rad students getting together and talking about books or anime or music um, for an hour a week, you know what I mean? Like even just that presence um, can create an entire shift on the campus, um, so yeah, GSAs are incredibly important.
0: Absolutely. Do you want to talk a little bit more about like your sort of experience with activism and just alleviating LGBTQ discrimination in schools?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, So talking a bit more about GSAs, um, I was my freshman year of high school, we had a GSA. And then as soon as that person who was running it graduated, it kind of dissipated. Um, And so by My junior year, um, I was like, we need a GSA. This is super important. Um, So I kind of kicked life back into our GSA um, and then started doing um, planning for Day of Silence. So that was my first community organizing type event, unless you count creating a petition in like first grade to get Pajama Day back because, you know, baby indie really wanted to wear pajamas to school. Um, But as far as like actual community organizing, Day of Silence was my first thing. And that really made me feel um, empowered. I know for Day of Silence, I didn't have faculty support. Um, a lot of the teachers and stuff were like not on board with it. Really fought back and were like, "How are we supposed to have um, like class discussions if people aren't speaking?" Um, and I was like unmoving on participating. And so we only had a handful of students who did it, um, but we held through the whole entire day. Um, we did have a handful of faculty that were in support. I had those little like palm cards that Listen provides that have information about what Day of Silence is. Um, and kind of the reasoning behind it. And so I passed those all out. And then we did like a little march um, at lunchtime around the entire campus, the like eight people who were originally a part of Day of Silence. And then through that march, I think we ended up with like 30 or 40 students. Um, So it was really rad to just see people pop up and just join in with us. and so that really like made, like I said, made me feel really empowered. And so I was seeking out other ways that I can get involved in activism and really coming into my identity as a trans, trans person, um, not having a lot of the language that I feel like is needed and like that I use in my identity today, like a gender, for example, um, it didn't really, there wasn't that much conversations around non-binary identities um, and so That being said, um, I had like scoured the internet to find anything that I can get involved with and I came across GSA Network and so GSA Network, um, when I was participating, it was only in California, which fortunately I was also in California, Um, they had something called the Queer Youth Advocacy Day. So I had applied and I got accepted Um, and it was incredible. It was the first time that I had ever been surrounded by so many queer and trans people Um, let alone other students. Um, And then also seeing these like beautiful trans adults. I'd like never met a trans person um, besides like one other young person that was like a year older than me. Um, And so like going to this event and having these like super rad, like, like I said, like a trans people and queer people and um, being able to learn from them and do workshops. And then also like, it was multiple days. So like I was staying in the, like the genderless room is what they had called it, which was like the room for trans people. But you got to opt in, which I thought was incredible. It wasn't like, oh, you're trans. So you're going to go to this room. I was like, no, like I want to be in this room. Cause that sounds really cool. And like, little did I know baby it was non-binary and that's why, you know, I wanted to be in that room. Um, but something that was, I feel like, the most impactful for me about that, besides connecting with other people like me, was some of the advocacy work that we did. And so we did workshops around how to speak to legislators. And so um, there was a whole bunch of us that actually went to the Capitol in Sacramento and advocated for bills like the Fair Education Act, which required um, fair, accurate, inclusive and respectful um curriculum inclusion around LGBT folks and LGBT history. And then also like CES law, which was a requirement um, for schools and school districts to include gender identity and sexual orientation in any of their anti-bullying policies, um, which I think again too was like very impactful. CES law was um, named after a student who like had experienced bullying um, and I believe had died by suicide. I may be misquoting, um, but I believe that's what had happened, which is terrible. Um, but yeah, that was like, I had never even known what a legislator was. I like, My family was never, you know, activists in any way. I don't even think my mom voted um, at all. And so like learning about all of these things and like seeing, you know, these like active um, efforts that I did like pay off, like the Fair Education Act passed, um, I'm 99% Seth's Law did too, but I don't remember again, you know, it was 10 years ago. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was like super, super impactful. And so then from that point on, um, I really became a community organizer. And so like I got involved with the GSA Network Board of Directors. Um, and this was like, you know, as a 17 year old, I'm on a board of directors for a statewide nonprofit What the heck was I doing? I had no idea. But like, you know, these folks invested in me and really taught me how nonprofits work. Um, And then from there, like I joined um, a community organizing great youth coalition that focused on reducing LGBT use access to drugs and alcohol Um, was an incredible, impactful idea. Um, The way that the contract was written wasn't great, which again, I kind of, you know, talk about the nonprofit industrial complex, but anyways on topic um I ended up becoming the staff person so I got paid to do this community organizing work um with LGBT youth and so from that point that kind of like snowballed my career into working with young folks um and like I had said before like working a lot with homeless youth I ended up on another board of directors for um, the California Coalition for Youth an amazing organization that does um a lot of political advocacy around um disconnected youth so like foster youth and homeless youth um increasing either access to resources funding um there's so many different things that they have advocated for and so again like going from gsa network to now california coalition for youth i was their youth board chair and so what i did um is i helped organize our conference which is essentially a lot like for youth advocacy day but we had pulled together um youth with experiences with homelessness or being in the foster care system all together in Sacramento, um, did workshops and then brought them to the Capitol to tell their stories and advocate for bills or increased funding that would help them. Um, And so, yeah, all of this to say that, like, it started with Day of Silence. It started with my GSA. Um, It started with seeing the effects that something I could do as Indie could create change um, was really really empowering and now fast forward to you know 2022 now I'm working at Glisten, who started Day of Silence um GLSEN, who's been supporting Day of Silence you know for so long and so it's just it's incredible and I feel like a lot of folks can um minimize the impacts that Day of Silence can be like oh it's just people being quiet and it's not that um, it's for me it was like I'm I finally have the choice to be silent and I'm taking it Um, I really wanted people for me to understand what it was like to not have my input, to not have my thoughts or my opinions or my ideas uh, being shared in the classroom. And so it was my decision to be silenced instead of all the times that I sat in my chair not feeling safe to share my story or to share my thoughts on something. Um, And I think that that really makes folks think about it and the amount of students that are being silenced, even if it's just one student or if it's the entire school, right? Like that is incredibly impactful. So going into like a little bit more about Day of Silence. um, So silent protests are not something that, you know, Day of Silence started with. Um, The first silent protest that um, I had found on record. um, So in, 1917, there was a group called the Silent Centennials. Um, they were the first group to pick out out front of the White House um, in favor of women's right to vote in the US. And they were named the Silent Centennials because they were silent. Um, and that also drew a lot of attention to their actions because I feel like a lot of people are used to when you see protests to be, for it to be very loud, right? Um, and now you just have this group that are like silently holding signs and like, blocking, it's like, what is going on over there? Um, And so then again, too, later in that year, in 1917, the NAACP um, had a huge uh, silent protest which was called the Silent Parade um, that was in response to the deadly and violent attacks targeting Black people all over the country, but specifically in Waco, Memphis, and East Louisiana. And yeah, so yeah, later in, um, in the year of 1917, the NAACP organized um, a protest that was called the Silent Parade and it was in response to the deadly and violent attacks um, against Black people all over the country, but specifically in Waco, Memphis, and East St. Louis, um, and the response to that was really terrible. Um, I don't want to go into too much detail because it can be very uh, triggering or hard for folks to hear. Um, but that was like another really, really impactful moment um, of silent protests when they first were recorded, right? I mean, I can imagine prior to 1917, somebody had thought about doing a silent protest, right? But this is what we have access to as far as records. Um, and I think, too, it's really important to give that background because when we talk about Day of Silence, like I had said before, it's not about one person. Um, if one person participates, that's impactful. But it's that collective piece of it that we have folks that are participating in Day of Silence internationally. Um, Glisten focuses on the U.S. and that's where a lot of our resources are. Um, that's where people can register if they're in the U.S. But I can't tell you how many emails I've gotten from people who are all over the country from, um, I've gotten emails from like folks that are in China, folks that are in Canada, um, a lot of folks in Latin America that are like, hey, how can I register? I'm working on figuring out the logistics on that. Because our registrants get swag, there's like an issue with shipping, things like that. Um, but it's incredible to see and hear the stories of that folks are sharing of their participation in Day of Silence. Um, Yeah, I think it's so much bigger than just being quiet, is my, like, wraparound of all of Day of Silence, Um, (laughs) because I feel like people on the outside just see it that way, right? It's like, Mm -hmm. oh, I don't have to hear these students today, and it's like, no, think about it, like, you know? Um,
0: I think the overall message is that um, it's not, yeah, as you said, it's not about being quiet, but it's choosing to be quiet, because... It's, it's such a big thing around the LGBT community that our voices are often silent, our voices are often dismissed, our voices are often just, like, pushed aside. And overall, it has that such a negative effect. I, this is, like, so when you're thinking about that effect and thinking about how it is to feel ignored and how it is feels to be <clears throat> dismissed overall, it's, like, yeah... Day of silence and choosing to be silent has so much more impact when you really really think about it. Um, can you tell me a little bit about actually the end of the sort of day about breaking the silence rallies?
1: Yeah, of course. Um, so all of what we had talked about, um, the importance of being silent and participating and getting support from, you know, teachers, um, as well as like other school faculty and peers. Um, we do like a breaking the silence event. And so Um, At the end of the day, we encourage folks to either get together or um, check our stuff out on social media um, to be able to break that silence. I think it can be really heavy. I think that might have been a mistake that I made when I was younger um, in organizing them is that we didn't break it. We just kind of carried it home. Um, And then it was like this like heaviness, right? And so... What's incredible about breaking the silence is that it does create that collectiveness that like people who are on campus that are participating can gather together and do it um, or if you are alone or even if you can't actually participate but you're showing up in solidarity on the inside um, you can check out our breaking the silence rally um, which i think is incredibly impactful because. I feel like the there could be one student in like a really small rural town with a you know a school population of under a thousand um, and nobody's participating in Day of Silence they don't have a GSA or anything but then you know they tune in and they see how many people were participating um, and they see how it is an international cause and how so many people are showing up in support and in solidarity for LGBT students it can be incredibly impactful. I know we had talked a little bit about um, representation before but I feel like Day of Silence um and like breaking the silence really gives a platform to show the like activist part of showing up and not the just like i'm here and i exist and that's um like resistance you know what i mean it's the like the part of like these are all of these people that are showing up and doing work these are all the people that are you know here and um really speaking out against you know anti-bullying um i mean anti-lgbt either legislation or bullying um or any type of discrimination that students are facing. Um, But yeah, so two parts of breaking the silence. You can definitely do it on your own. Um, You can engage with the folks that you're working with, um, or you can participate on our Instagram. We'll be doing an IG Live. We usually get some pretty rad influencers to join in, um, but the most important part, at least to me, is the students um, that are going to be a part of it. And so, you know, Jordan, no pressure. Um, might be on there as well, um, and we have some other amazing students that are on our national, school, our national student council. Bowl. Um, yeah,
0: you best believe I'm gonna be a part of it. Yes.
1: <laughs>
0: honestly. hearing it makes me feel so like empowered and it hasn't even happened yet (laughs) I'm like oh my god I cannot wait for this Um, I love how you said that I love how you mentioned the people in rural areas and people who might not be actively able to participate either because they're not out or because of just that unsafe environment Um, especially in rural areas I I was in a rural uh, area for some time and it was it was something. It was. It was something, but um, definitely, definitely seeing that all across the world and seeing that Glisten is like actively promoting this event seeing the people a part of this event is just such an empowering inspiring feeling it's like wow i can't believe i'm in a time where i get to witness this <laughs> it's absolutely amazing so that being said day of silence you should definitely participate if you are able to and you can definitely participate even if you are just alone in your room um seeing a, like seeing what glisten does um So that is Day of Silence. And we're going to kind of transition into more about Glisten, since Glisten is just this amazing thing and I love being a part of it, (laughs) yeah.
1: Yeah, Um, another thing that I did just want to say on Day of Silence is that even if you're not in school, you can participate. We actually have um, some amazing partners that are participating that are either corporate or we have like a mental health um, group that we partner with as well that will be participating in Day of Silence. And so even if you're not in school, you can still participate. And then also, you know, leading into more about GLSEN, if you are not in school, you can still support and participate in GLSEN as well. Um, We have some really amazing things that we focus on. For example, we have an entire policy department. And so these are some amazing, amazing people um, that are focused on supporting either local or national efforts um, to either fight some of these anti-LGBT bills or support bills that, you know, make life a little bit easier for LGBT students. And so they're great, Um, 10 out of 10, would recommend connecting with our policy folks. Um, We also have an amazing Devo team. So I had talked about a little bit ago, um, some of the partnerships that we have are really, really awesome um, and show up. One, of course, you know, unfortunately, we live in a world that's called capitalism and we have to have funding to make this happen. So what's incredible though, is that we have these corporate sponsors um, That can collaborate with us and uplift the work that we're doing and so like um i know we had like for example t-mobile last year had promoted our national school climate survey which increased the amount of folks that had engaged in it and so like yes capitalism and pink washing but like also how can we use these tools that we have to have that are existing anyways to best benefit the work that we want to do um and so our devo team huge shout out to them they are really really awesome um we get to do some really really rad collaborations um yeah which you know check out social media you'll see some of the collabs coming up um in pride and then i talked about already um is our research institute so we have Um, an entire institute dedicated to the National School Climate Survey and supporting similar efforts. Um, Folks can do like local climate surveys and our research department is a really great resource to build that out Um, as well as they do some international work. So supporting other um, countries that want to do some type of National School Climate Survey in support of gathering data on LGBT youth experiences. Um, They're really great people too. Um, And then I feel like one of the most accessible parts about GLSEN um, one is me. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> it's our chapter network. Um, so Listen has a national chapter network. So um, they're all absolutely amazing people. Um, there are groups of volunteers that um, do a lot of the organizing in their local areas to get either resources out about Listen or show up for LGBT youth, um, organize events. I know the San Diego Listen. Uh, chapter did like a roller skating event which was really rad I know a lot of people are doing queer proms um, and rainbow graduations and so our chapter network is incredible Um, if you do want to check out and see if you have a local chapter it's um, glisten.org so org slash chapters and that'll give you a list of the existing chapters if you don't have one in your area and you're like oh my god we need this um, connect with us we can help you support creating one um, and getting some of these like amazing resources directly in your areas. Um, The chapter network not only does really great fun um joyous events like I had mentioned um, they also do professional development so we do PD training so professional development um, trainings for our chapter network and so then they are trained um, and certified to go out into schools in the community to provide training on how to support lgbt students providing what other type of support that educators or faculty may need um, and then they also have things called shine groups which are youth advocacy like groups um, which are also really, really rad, and then closing it all with our amazing National School or National Student Council, which Jordan is a part of. Um, <laughs> right now, we have student or twenty students across all the regions in the U.S. that are absolute gems. Um, I'm so excited to be working with you all. Unfortunately, some folks are graduating, which is fortunate for some folks that are not on the NSC yet because applications will be opening soon. And so if you are interested in applying, definitely stay tuned on our social media, check out our website. Um, The National Student Council is open to high school students Um, and yeah, there's some pretty rad things with that too. And hopefully that was everything about the lesson.
0: I'd like to add one more thing. The Freedom Fellowship Program, which I'm looking forward to, go on about that because we need to we need to know what other resources y'all have for past high school students.
1: (laughs) Yes how could I possibly forget about the Freedom Fellows? Um, So it is actually a new program maybe that's why I forgot about it giving myself a little bit of grace right. Um, (laughs) It started this year and so the Freedom Fellowship is a um like a fellowship program that has students that are regional and so we get regional fellows from each area that support the chapter network or the chapters that are in that area as well as the work that glisten is doing um, it's an amazing mentorship opportunity and internship opportunity um, of course they're paid which is great um, don't want exploit, to exploit young folks um, and there's a lot of other different like type of training and um like workshops that the fellows go through um as well as working in really close like collaboration with staff at GLSEN. Um, So yes, if you are interested in applying to be a fellow, definitely check it out. Um, I'm not exactly sure when the application is coming out. I'm assuming it'll happen soon. Um, and then also for the NSC and for the fellows, um, you don't have to already be a part of listen I think that that might be a little bit of a confusion point. Um, if this is your first time even hearing the word listen and you want to apply, please do. For
0: sure. And you know, I'm I'm going to say this huge competition because I'm applying too. <laughs>
1: Let's go. <laughs> I'll put in a good word.
0: Oh, thank you. <laughs> but no offense to those who are also applying. I mean, good job, and I hope you guys do well too. <laughs> Love that for
1: you. That's to luck.
0: <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Um, any ending comments before we close out this episode?
1: Um, just so much gratitude to be here, and I think it's... Uh, I always learn so much when I'm talking with you. Um, so I really appreciate that. And I appreciate the space too. I feel like I feel really excited about Day of Silence. I know in the beginning I had said it was a little bit of a thorn, um, but now I feel like it's definitely turning in. You know, that thorn is like now turning into a bud Aww. with like those petals um, <laughs> because I'm so excited. And I think to acknowledging the impact that it's had on me makes me um, feel like, you know, full circle. So I'm just really excited. be a part of this and then of course um incredibly proud of you for this podcast it's absolutely incredible to see all the like background pieces of it i've never been a part of a podcast before Mm -hmm. um, but seeing how incredibly organized you are and then also just an absolute joy to be around Um, Mm -hmm. thanks so much
0: of course. Don't make me cry. <laughs> <Don't> make- <laughs> all right. Well, thank you for so much for being here and for all the kind comments. That was amazing. And for all of your amazing insight. So yeah, just gonna close out this episode. It was a very good one, but of course it always comes to an end. Good things come to an end. But um we do have a website that you can check out, which is foreverbloompod.org. You can find us on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook all at ForeverBloomingorg, plus on Twitter at ForeverBloomorg, and you can find Glisten. Please do find Glisten. Follow them. You can find them on their website, glisten.org, or you can find them on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and Facebook at glisten. Follow them. This is your last message. <laughs> the research and transcript for this episode are on Forever Blooming's website in our podcast section. Our podcast guest form, if you want to be on our podcast, like Indy here, is also in our podcast section. And you can also find our audience spotlight f- form. <laughs> you can also find our audience spotlight form, where you can ask for advice to be featured in one of our episodes. management at foreverbloompod.org is our email let us know your thoughts questions and how we can improve the podcast because we love hearing from you <laughs> be sure to check us out on fborg.card.co and that is card with two r's for all of our easy accessible links Make sure to like, comment, subscribe, rate us on Spotify, and share with your friends if you enjoyed this episode. And lastly, have a great day, afternoon, or night, whenever you're listening to this. Thanks for tuning in.
1: Thanks.